when you see the um, this shamanic ritual, so everything is there, like you know, from the visual art and dance, music, costume, and props. They are healing through the music. They're healing through the dance. They're using the art as a healing method, and that's the medicine. That's how I want to see myself as an artist in that way. This is Raw Material, a podcast by SF Momo. I'm Ross Simonini, and I'll be your host for a season of Art and the Unknown. This is how the ceremony begins. The shaman blows rhythmically across the top of a glass jar that contains a kind of soup, a sickly-looking deep green smoothie. It's a medicine called ayahuasca. It's two plants, a vine and a leaf, that have been plucked from the rainforest and cooked over a stove for hours. The blowing is how the shaman blesses the medicine. And as he does it, you can smell it wafting out of the jar. And if you drank it before, as more and more people in the US seem to be doing these days, you might get a twinge of nausea because you know that purging will most likely be a part of the night. The shaman calls it getting well. When the sun goes down, the medicine drinking begins. This is the hour when spirits come out. You drink a cup of the ayahuasca and it tastes extremely bitter, but also a little sweet, and your stomach immediately starts to groan. Not just because of the intensity of the medicine, but because you've been fasting all day, abstaining from any strong foods like garlic or alcohol, so that your system is highly sensitive and everything about the experience will be intensified. When you're done drinking, you hand the cup back to the shaman and you lie down in the dark, in silence, and you wait for the music to begin. These are recordings from a recent ceremony I took part in led by a man named Santi Paro. He works in the shamanic tradition and as a musician writing and performing his own music. For almost a decade, he studied with Master Ayahuasqueros, most recently with the Shipibo Canibo people in Peru, one of the birthplaces of the ayahuasca ceremony. The particular families that I work with are in a little community called San Francisco, which is actually the biggest Shipibo community. Um, 
it's kind of like a little Shipibo suburb at this point because things are really modernized. In Peru, he learned about the traditional diets and rituals and the music of the ceremonies, the spells, what they call Icaros. That's the voice of his teacher, Don Emilio, singing in Icaro. So Icaros are the multidimensional language of the medicine. It's different than a song because it's not something that you learn and then you recite it the same way every time. It doesn't work like that. The plant itself can transmit an Icaro directly to a person. And so the Icaro then has a melody and it has a geometry. And, you know, the melody follows the geometry. But the function of them is to realign the energy body of the person, so where things are out of order. You know, you're singing the surgery that is being performed. In ceremony, the art form of the Icaro is one of the shaman's strongest tools for healing and for bringing the patient deeper into the experience. The ritual of a, of a ceremony, the way that a container is built, and then also the Icaros themselves, they're, they're all magical. It's a formulaic approach to opening other dimensions. There's, you know, high magic or white magic, and then there's, there's black magic as well. So ayahuasca itself is kind of like pure force. This is the way that I describe it, the way that I understand it. In itself, you know, it has no, it's not necessarily benevolent. It's not necessarily predatory. What matters is how it's approached and how it's approached and how it's worked with um, from the facilitator or the shaman is dependent upon the amount of purification they've already gone through, the amount of training they've already gone through. So all the reasons for the abstinence and you know, the different practices are in order to master your own energy. The shaman, they're the artist, they're the connector. They're the connector between people to people, people to nature, people to spirit, nature to spirit. The performance artist Dohi Lee inhabits the role of shaman in her work. The masks she wears, the costumes she makes, the dances she does, it all comes out of shamanism. When you see the Korean traditional dance and music, it all came from shamanism. That's the roots. For her, art comes out of shamanism. The two practices are inextricable. You can't have one without the other, and they both serve the same function. The shaman's role is all about communication. So it's all about communication that something was disconnected. You know, not only maybe your body that disconnected, so shaman helped your body to connect. 
so you more find yourself. And also she also tried to find a connection that maybe your body or your spirit is you know, supposed to connect through the different time being. Maybe from the past, your life. She pulled that out, that spirit to communicate it. It's all about communication. You know, almost 85-90% are women. The woman has that power. They're going through a lot, undergoing through you know, so much pain and hardship in their lives, but that kind of shows about this matriarchal the strength. And that's the things that we need so badly now. sees her shamanic work as healing, not just for individuals, but for society. This is also how Joseph Boyce saw himself as an artist 50 years ago, a shaman healing the wounds of the world. That is precisely what the shaman does in order to bring about change and development. My intention is to stress the idea of transformation and substance. It could be described as the deepest root of the idea of spiritual life, the transformation of life, nature, and history through concrete processes. That's Boyce speaking in the documentary Transformer by John Halpern. Boyce is certainly the best-known artist to refer to himself as a shaman. And like Santiparo, he grew up outside of a shamanic tradition and had to arrive at it through his art. That's Joseph Boyce performing in 1968. For him, the voice was a direct transmitter of energy. What he's saying here is, yes, 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 yes. No, 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 no. He released this recording as 100 reel-to-reel tapes, each inscribed in felt squares. Felt was one of his primary mediums, and there's a story why. During World War II, while aboard a German bomber, Boyce crashed into the Crimean wilderness. He was left for dead by the search parties. But then the Tatars, the indigenous people of the area, pulled his body out of the plane, covered him in felt, and slathered his body in fat, supposedly restoring him to health and saving his life. But the thing was, he never really met the Tatars not while conscious. And the same goes for the felt. He only experienced it while unconscious. So when he uses elements like fat and felt to make his art, they help him dive into the unconscious, like a shaman does, and produce artifacts from the other world. It's all the way for him to re-enter that place of myth, 
because most people think the story is just an invented tale of origin. A lot of myth is interwoven into Boyce's biography. But the fiction doesn't necessarily undermine the story, because all of Boyce's art comes out of a place that is between myth and truth. For one performance called I Like America and America Likes Me, he flew into New York, was wrapped entirely in felt, laid onto a stretcher, and was taken straight from the plane into an ambulance. He wasn't ill or injured, he just wanted to make sure his feet never touched American soil. The ambulance shuttled him to a small gallery space where he lived with a coyote for three days. For protection, he wrapped himself in felt and carried a cane as a kind of staff, making symbolic gestures and movements. At first, the animal tore up the space, but eventually it began tentatively interacting with Boyce, even allowing for a final goodbye hug. When it was over, Boyce left the same way he came, and he claims to have never laid his feet or eyes on America while there. Communing with animals, transdimensional healing, by combining the sensitivities of the shaman with the tools of the artist, Boyce opened up a new intuitive dimension for future generations of artists. First time I think I remembered seeing like a Joseph Boyce installation was in Dia Beacon, where you where you, you you meander yourself to a maze of felt. Terence Coe is one such artist. Like Boyce, he makes objects that vibrate with intention, many of which come out of ritualistic performances. I think what touches me about him, what that it wasn't just a physical thing. It was like you you could sense that it was pieces of felt, but there was an extra dimension as you were going through it. That every single part of your like your being, like your like your your hairs and your thing, you felt that it was some kind of electric energy in the air. And how how was that even possible? You know, because these pieces of felt is like inanimate pieces. Maybe that's what what interests me of Joseph Boyce is that there wasn't a separation between dead things and alive things. Everything was alive to him. Maybe maybe there is some kind of like energy that he was as a shaman able to transmit energy itself. This is Santi Paro. This is what he sounds like outside of ceremony. Even during ceremony, he drifts between his own songs and Icaros, so that you're never really sure what's art and what's an ancient healing modality. This is him performing with his wife, Indy, at the ceremony I attended.
I used to write a different kind of music before I came to the medicine path. And then I had a ceremony where I had an encounter with um, some angels. And that experience was very powerful. And, um, you know, I made an agreement. They, they made an offering and I made an agreement. And that agreement was they would place a guardian in, in my mind stream. Everything that was coming through would be for the benefit of consciousness and for healing, if I agreed to that. So they assisted me so that the songs that I would receive when I was inspired would always kind of come through with these lyrics that would be perfect for medicine ceremonies. And a lot of times in the beginning, they were definitely uh, more teachings for myself to prepare myself for what was coming. Um, and uh, I was singing things that I wasn't really ready for yet, but I needed to hear them so that I would start living that way. is produced by the San Francisco Museum of Modern Art and me, Ross Simonini. All the music you heard today was by Santi Paro, Dohi Lee, and Joseph Boyce. Aus dem Land, das sich selbst zerstört und uns den Way of Life diktiert, da kommt Regen, bringt Waffen und Tod. Und hört er Frieden, sieht er rot. Er sagt als Präsident von USA, Atomkrieg, ja, bitte doch und da. Auf Polen, Mittlerosten, Nicaragua, er bildet endlich, das ist doch klar. Doch wir wollen Sonne statt Regen, ohne Rüstung leben. Auf West, auf Ost, auf Raketen muss Ost. Keep listening to hear more from these voices and others in a season of art and the unknown. Auf Westen, auf Ost, auf Rakete, Großrost.